Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Guys, I'm officially on tour. I am so excited to hang out with you, but I need you to know this tour is a little different than anything you might have heard me or seen me do before. Still love Jesus, but I cuss a little, and that's what's gonna happen tonight, so get ready. Usually when I speak publicly, it's about how to grow and become a better version of yourself, and yes, I want to talk about that. Don't tell me that you can't do difficult things because that is one teeny tiny example of something that men will never have to deal with. But more than anything, I wanna laugh. It's honestly been a really hard year for me and my kids. I just wanna tell stories with my friends and laugh until we pee our pants a little bit. The second thing we're gonna do is a live Q&A. Oh yeah, no, if you raise your hands, like you're in. <laughs> we get to learn and understand more about ourselves when we hear someone else's stories. The third thing that's different about this tour is that every single location has a bar. I wanted to have a girls' night out. I wanted to have a place where you could get your sister, call your mama, get your neighbor from down the street, and you could come out and you could have a glass of cheap wine and you could watch a show and laugh and have fun and meet new people. The fourth thing, don't bring your husband. <gasps> yeah, don't, I said it. If you got a husband that will laugh about period jokes, bikini waxes, mom stories, bring him on down. If you're not sure if your man thinks that's funny, he doesn't. Come by yourself and make friends. Treat yourself to a night where you are dating you. It's gonna be a lot of fun. That is my number one intention with this tour is that I want to have fun and I know that we will. So check out the show notes to get a link to upcoming cities. We got Phoenix, Salt Lake City, Boston, and Toronto coming up. More cities will be added. Again, check out the show notes. Put the word out. Love you. I'll see you soon. Just constantly taking these road gigs, building your business, going into these markets. You know, the internet makes it easier now because people are able to ascend to greater heights based on clips, based on, and there more people now are doing arenas than ever before. 
But at the time, it was going to these clubs, going to these clubs for multiple years and keep building, get to that small theater, get to that rock venue, get to that bigger theater. And you're building it like one layer at a time while never, at least for me, never booking any TV or movie that would like elevate it. So it is, mine is a career solely built on like gritting through years of going to these clubs, dealing with hecklers, being hungover, something that I, in my 30s, finally realized I didn't have to feel all the time. <laughs> and just constantly doing that to the detriment of a social life. Like, not, you don't get to go to your friend's wedding. You don't get to see your parents, you know? Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Okay, so wait, this is an interesting conversation. You're about to go on tour in uh -huh. July. Uh, what number tour is this for you? Oh, that's uh, that's interesting. I don't, I mean, I've done six specials. So there have been six tours, but I'd been touring my whole career prior to that first one. So I don't know. I guess if you mark tours by like brand new material, maybe it's like my seventh tour, okay. eighth tour. How did you get into comedy? Tour? Uh, is that really? Come on. No, no. I'm I'm genuinely curious. I more mean career-wise. Yeah. Lots of people are funny. They tell jokes. But how do you actually start making money doing this specific thing? That's a good question. Um, I do believe the passion goes first. Like that you have to love making people laugh, whatever your chosen art form is. Um, you have to love doing it and the money follows. And as cheesy as that sounds, when I got into stand-up, I had no concept of any way to monetize anything. You do a show, you get paid for it. And in many cases, when you started, you didn't even get paid for it. Um, and I do think it's become stand-up and comedy is just so hot right now. And there's so many ways to make it, whether it's on the internet or touring. There's all different ways of ticketing stuff. So I just started doing it with no concept and no real goal other than to do a good job at each show. And within that, you can, you know, there's there's different, you know, merch or platinum ticketing, touring, not touring, monetizing your content, you know. So there's infinite ways within the realm of being funny. And was that the case when you started? Because what year was that? I started stand-up probably... 2005-ish. Okay. I can never quite remember. And by started, I mean, you know, you're doing a bar show, <laughs> which you're actually spending money on because, you know, you're getting a drink before and you're bringing your friends and they're paying. And and then three years in, I became a professional comedian touring. But people, you know, you would do your spots around LA. Nobody was really paying. And if they did, it was like $10. And that was in LA. New York, they paid. And I know that in London, they paid because I remember I went to London and did a spot and they gave me some pounds. And I was like, this is, I'm a king. <laughs> and then it, really recently in LA, you know, for local spots, they've been paying a lot more and clubs are paying more 
because there's such a premium on it. Um, but yeah, when I started, you're making $3,000 a weekend and they're hoping to get as many shows out of you as possible. Because wow. when you first start, like they're, the club is making their money off of the tickets, but really it's food and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always tell young comics. I'm like, go to, you want to start, like go to any club and be like, what's your worst night? Let me run a show there. Because <laughs> they just want to sell drinks. Right, right. Uh, and your goal should not, it should not be, when you first start, it's not about the money. It should be about getting a solid act and then charging for it. Don't charge people to hear you bomb. <laughs> Get something solid. Then How play. do you get from you have an idea for a joke to it's a solid like you're ready to take it out and you feel like people can pay dollars for this? Well, joke. for me, I'm like there is a degree of talent if you're a real comic where what you're going to say is going to be funny. It may not be the most perfect joke. So I'm always working out stuff and I'm always peppering it in. I go up almost every night. Oh, wow. Not every comic does that works that way. When I'm on the road, I don't go up at home as much when I say go up for anyone listening that means like go do a set locally okay whether it be at an alt show or a club just run like a 15 minute set seven nights a week uh almost every night I I try to take off Sundays and I try to take off Mondays got it um I try so yeah it's about running it over and over and each night you come up with something new and then hopefully remember it the next night and just going over and over and it keeps changing each time do you look forward to it every time you have to go up? No. Okay. Okay. No. No. But from doing it enough, I know like your mental health, your salvation, your energy, your key to your stress lies on the other side of that set. Mm. So whatever you're going through that day, there, I mean, I cancel sets sometimes. Sometimes you have an obligation or you just don't feel well. But if you're having a bad day, Chances are, fine, if I'm having a bad day, chances are it's going to feel better on the other side of that set. And you can, it's like a stress release. But no, I don't. I mean, there are nights like drag, especially if it sets at like 9.30, like drag yourself off the couch. Sometimes I've been chewing gum lately. That's like my like way to get into it. And you go and you start to get energized. And then I get so energized that I come home and I'm like, I just need to like sit here and drink a LaCroix. Right. And scroll on my phone for an hour to like right, unwind. to come down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I usually eat a lot right after, so even if it's 50 minutes out. Do you not eat beforehand? Like, is it like you're, it's, you're going to do a performance? So are you thoughtful about like, I can't have food until afterwards? No. Okay. I just, I dig how people, like what is the minutia that allows someone to perform at their best, whether it's a comedian or an athlete? I think what allows me to perform at my best is the energy from the audience. You're going to get the best set out of me if it's a great crowd. And a lot of times you have to, especially if it's not your audience, like if you're just doing a local set, the challenge that I try to rise to every time is to dig the audience out of whatever hole someone left them in before and you try to get them on your side. And that's, I think, the difference between professionalism versus someone just telling jokes is like waking that audience up, whipping them into shape, getting that energy somewhere you want it, and then leaving it as a gift for the next comic. I don't have a problem eating before. It's not like a nerve thing. Yeah. But I was in Vegas one time and uh, a friend of mine, his name is Ed Huckfeld, and he produced these shows at the Venetian Forever called Lipstick. And it was this, like all female headliner showcase. And we became very close. And he came into the green room and I had like eaten a bunch of meats and cheeses. <laughs> and I was like, how do I look? I go, do I look fat? He goes, no, you look full. 
And he was right. Like my belly was full. Like I ate a lot of ham. And I always remember, and it was such like an honest like thing yeah. that a friend could say. And it's like, yeah, you don't look fat. You're not a, you look poochy yeah. because you just ate. And my pants are always very tight. And right. so I always think about like, you look fat, you look full. <laughs> so just eat after because you, yeah. you do burn a lot of mental calories. Yeah. And I, I feel you know. like if I'm going to do something, I do a lot of keynote speeches, which would be my version of what you do. I want to take in as little as possible mm. because I feel like I get brain fog if I'm oh, eating something. So like I will go destroy a, a late night dinner after yeah. I do something. But before then, I want to keep it as light as possible. I guess it's you want to keep it light. I mean, I'm not going to eat like a turkey dinner, right. but if there's like sniggity <laughs> snacks, like I do love sugar. So I'm always telling my tour manager, like, you know, if there's surprise snacks, she's like, tell me what you want. I'm like, you need surprise Yeah, yeah, snacks. yeah. It's such, oh, it's such a thing to do. Like I do this to my boyfriend. I'm like, well, bring me back. I mean, if you see yeah. something, like bring me back. And he's like, what? I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to actually ask for it oh, because yeah. then I'm asking for a cookie. I want you. It's a gift from you. So then I should eat it. Oh, I'll take it one step further. We all know I want a cookie and I want the fun of you guessing how to make me happy. Um, we all know my favorite flavor profile, but like nothing brings me more joy than like walking in a green room and there's like some local cookies. Yeah. I will. To me, sugar doesn't count. I know every dietitian will disagree. Sugar doesn't count. Wow. As far as filling you up like I i'm not gonna feel sluggish for me yeah oh that's a good point fruit's it's gonna, not gonna yeah. doesn't count yeah i don't care about that yeah i don't really it's gonna annoy everyone listening i don't think about the calories like that right well um, also when you're on stage you're burning calories me specifically yeah. like i it is you're sweating yeah and so i just like a little thing to get me pepped up sometimes i'll drink like a little bit of a red bull like a little cup of coffee i do need snacks yeah and I think I don't realize how many snacks I need until I'm like, I get to the venue and I'm starving. And it's like, can you go to concessions and see if they'll give me a pretzel? <laughs> see if they'll give me a free popcorn. How did you develop like your, what, whether it's a pre-show ritual, having the snacks, figuring out what you're going to wear? Like, yeah. was that something that you developed early on? Or do you feel like it keeps evolving as you I actually, evolve? and maybe it's because I'm like sitting across from another woman. But like, as you ask that, I just, am like, I think it's all fear-based I think a lot of our habits, talents, behaviors come out of a fear. And so I think I would drink a Red Bull, which eventually I switched to a sugar-free. It is gasoline. Like, th there's nothing good about this for you. Like, no one knows what taurine is. But I would drink it as a way to wake up because I had such an energetic act and I was always afraid I would get tired on stage. Plus, to whip yourself into a bit of a frenzy, like you go on. I go into like a little bit of a trance, like a whirling dervish. So there's that fear of being tired. And then after the sets, there was the fear that I wouldn't be able to sleep. So I would take melatonin. And then... You're Judy Garland. You're uppers uh, and downers. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the lightest <laughs> uppers and downers. And then on stage, the way that I dress, I, I'm a big believer in like, you should be an extension. Actually, I don't know if I care if other performers do this, but for me, I am an extension on stage of who I am off stage. Like... It's, a, it's the same person. Obviously not exactly the same because I don't rant at people for an hour in real life. Um, but I do wear tight black jeans. I do wear black t-shirts. I do wear a lot of t-shirts. And so, you know, you're doing a special, you're going, you're doing a set on TV, you want to look polished, but I want to be comfortable on stage. Right. And so, and I think part of it when I started in comedy, you know, this would be the early 2000s. We were not at a place where people were pumped that a woman was attractive and telling jokes. Right. 
And so it's not about shying away from it as much as knowing that I had a good body and not wanting that to detract from what I was saying. Because you have a full, when no one knows who you are, you have a minute to get people on your side. And what I didn't want to ever do was spend that minute uh, watching you like analyze for better, for worse, my outfit, my body. And so people are like, oh, you're not confident. I'm like, no, no, it's actually the opposite. I'm so confident in my body and I know what it looks like. So let's not make that an issue. And so dressing sexy and stuff was reserved for vodka sodas and going on dates. (laughs) And now it's just what I'm comfortable in. Right. So it was all that. And now I could do probably whatever I wanted to, but I like tight jeans and I like moving around and I like sneakers. So that's what I do. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I'm always curious how other people figure it out because it is, I vacillate between, I know that I'm going to do a better job on that stage if I'm comfortable. Yeah. But then I, I did this a few weeks ago. I had uh, a show that I was doing and um, I was on my period and I was so bloated yeah. and I just wanted to wear like my baggiest jeans. I right. just really, and I did. And I've never done that before. I was like, fuck it. They're not here for my pants. Like just yes, wear the jeans. And it was a great show and I was super pumped. And then later I saw the pictures and I was like, God damn it. Why didn't I wear different pants? Why did I wear those? It's like two schools of thought. <laughs> like, I mean, right now I'm like, are all my baby hairs broken? Like I dressed up for this because my publicist was like, there's also video. And I was like, okay, I have to do a real effort. Sometime, at least for stand-up, the truth is once you get out there, it actually doesn't matter. Like I have done a lot of like very important shows in very uncomfortable heels and pants. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. You don't think about it. Once okay, you're, once out, you're there, out there, you're on. I know the trope is like, I'm a, I can't walk in heels. I can. Yeah. I don't enjoy it. Yeah. It's not something I practice, but if – you're, you want to be comfortable, but once you get out there and once you get that first laugh, it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. But it will affect your performance if you are self-conscious. Like I wore ripped tight white jeans on stage once and I guess I didn't get my first laugh and I was like, is it the pants? I feel like it's the pants. And if it wasn't the pants, it definitely was the pants then once I said something. <laughs> and so I see a lot of girls now and like more power to them. They wear like crop tops and they look really cute. And if you are comfortable like that telling your jokes, then that's great. It's just not me. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm actually – I wish I could do that, but I think I would be thinking about, like, how great I look the whole time. Right. No, I think I would just think right. about it too much. Well, I would be afraid – the high heel thing was something when I first started as a speaker – the only people I saw were women wearing high heels or suits or whatever. So I emulated what I was seeing because mm-hmm. I had no idea how to be up there as myself. And one of the biggest speeches I had ever given, I was wearing a dress and heels, which is the antithesis of me. And halfway through the speech, I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to take these shoes oh, off. Oh, yeah. Because I was going to fall. Like I was, yes. And it was so lame. But it was the only way that I was going to get through the last 30 minutes. Right. And I never did it again. Oh, so I'm really? Just, oh, yeah. And I, I can't wear heels on stage. Oh, I thought you meant you never took them off. I, oh, no, 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 I no. think it's I also, whether you realize this or not, like it is that thing as a woman. Like it does make you instantly relatable. Like if you can show... Women love to consume vulnerability. It's like our currency and (laughs) ugliness. So the second you like take out a hair extension, mention you're wearing Spanx, I have done that move like at a gala where I'm like, I got to take these heels off at like a fundraiser because every woman in the room wants to take her heels off. Right. And so it is something you can dip into to be like, by the way, I'm just like you. I actually relish anytime I can do an interview where I'm seated 
I will wear like an impossible pair of heels because I don't, I can't stand in them. That's a good point. Like, I don't wear these normally. Right. And I'm like, why is the pant leg like not fully covering the sock? Um, <laughs> and the truth is at the end of the day, like it actually, it is all about how good you feel. Everybody wants you to do well. And it, it is just us being in our heads. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. When you came up in this industry, were there other women who were your contemporaries? Did you feel like you were sort of on your own in the beginning? Like, what was that like? I think it's both. I think stand up is such a solo sport 
And if you are a stand-up and not a stand-up who also like writes on a show or has the chance to be around other people, it can be a very, it can be a lonely endeavor. And it, I, when I started, of course, there's always women that do stand-up, but it's a very nuanced thing because when you're headlining, which is you are by yourself, and when you're headlining at a lower level, you know, this would be in the... Like 2009, I probably started headlining by myself. So I'm like a 25, 26-year-old girl going to these clubs in like the middle of nowhere. You don't have the money to bring someone with you. So the club will just give you openers. So you're traveling. I was traveling by myself with no one. There were women that were headlining, but I would look on the club lineup. I wouldn't see them um, for like months. Like it wasn't as many women. And that's not to say that they weren't doing it elsewhere, but you're not coming in contact with them because you're doing your own weekend. So I didn't have access. I certainly didn't have access to anyone super famous. Like I definitely did not know Joan Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and any woman that was doing what I was doing, the internet like wasn't the way that it is now. So there was no Instagram. So you're kind of just out there making it up. Uh, I was at least as I went along. And then, you know, as time goes on, you start to meet other people, but it was definitely me just kind of watching other guys and cobbling together and making up the rules and trying to piece it together. It's different now. Do yeah. were the guys welcoming of you? Did it feel weird like I I've been asked that a lot before and the truth is my story is just well like my heart breaks for women that go through any of this hazing or any sort of abuse from inferior male comics. Because I started headlining so young, they had no nothing to intimidate me with. Right. There was no, oh, come open for me. Maybe, you know, if you hook up with me, maybe I'll give you something. Or maybe, you know, I was already, I already had what so many of them wanted. So there was nothing, they had no business with me. What are you going to do? You know, flirt with me and hope that I have sex with you so I'll watch you, your five <laughs> minutes. And I was traveling so much. And I made the promise to myself, I was like, I'm going to like bust my ass in my 20s and 30s so that I can like take a breath mm. in my 40s. And it paid off. But it, it's, a, it's a solo sport. And anybody, like I very early on recognize like what male insecurity looks like. Um, of course, there's also female insecurity, but men seem to be the ones that like get very uh, manipulative uh, or toxic about it. And so... My heart always breaks for girls that deal with that. And my advice is always like, go find another show. Like this guy does not hold the keys to a castle. Right. Like right. just write better jokes and find someone else. What did that, you said you worked really hard in those decades. What did that look like for you specifically? Was it just like mm. all of the travel? Like oh how, boy. what is your version of working hard? So stand up wise, you know, that is, not dissimilar to what I do now, but that is you're getting on that plane. I mean, when you first start, you're getting on that plane. You're going into that club on a Wednesday so you can get up Thursday morning at 4 or 5 a.m. to go do radio. And it's not forgiving radio. It's like a disc jockey who really hates that you're there, who's probably not going to give you the best interview, who's only going to ask you about dating. And you'll answer these questions because you sort of are doing what you have to do. And then you go take a nap and then at 11 you'll go do some morning radio or like local press because you're trying to fill this club, right? You're trying to fill this room. Then you go to sleep. 
Then you go to the club. Maybe you'll do two shows. Maybe you'll do three shows and you'll get up and you'll do that the next day. Maybe you stay for the Sunday night, you know, doing all that coming home on a Monday, going out and doing sets or running your own show during the week. Auditioning, first off, obviously to no avail, but trying to do the actor thing and trying to further your brand in that way. And that was for like at least a decade, just constantly taking these road gigs, building your business, going into these markets. You know, the internet makes it easier now because people are able to ascend to greater heights based on clips, based on, and there are more people now are doing arenas than ever before. But at the time, it was going to these clubs, going to these clubs for multiple years and keep building, get to that small theater, get to that rock venue, get to that bigger theater. And you're building it like one layer at a time while never, at least for me, never booking any TV or movie that would like elevate it. So it is, mine is a career solely built on like gritting through years of going to these clubs, dealing with hecklers, being hungover, something that I, in my 30s, finally realized I didn't have to feel all the time. (laughs) And just constantly doing that to the detriment of a social life, like not You don't get to go to your friend's wedding. You don't get to see your parents, you know? And not everybody chooses to work like that. I just, I'm like a wind-up toy. You sent me in a direction and I will just go. I think the compliment I get the most is like, of course people think I'm funny, but the compliment first is always like, wow, you work so hard. And I'm like, is that the compliment we want? Wow, you're trying so hard. (laughs) No, you're putting effort in that so many people, uh, so many people talk about it and just don't actually do it. I, I think there's that. And I think people forget like at the end of the day, like you have to go do it. You have to go to that bar and run that five minutes. Yes. You have to polish that five minutes. You have to get it so that when someone you want to notice you does and they say, what else do you have? You're like, oh, right this way. Right. And I think that's very scary or people don't know where to start. It's all about the work. Any actor will tell you that. Any athlete will tell you that. And so it's it's not about like romanticizing it. It's not about overly stating it, but it really is like the passion for those jokes. There are people that do stand up just to get from point A to point B, maybe you want to be a host, and that's okay. Not everybody is like a career stand-up, but there is um it's not about you can have the raw talent, but then it's like how do you train for this so that so that you have a career that has some stamina? How do you take care? I mean, I'm guessing in your 20s, it was very different than now. You're a mama. You're doing all these things. I look the same. <laughs> How do you take care of your health in the midst of all that? Because that's a pretty grueling schedule. Yeah. I mean, in your 20s, if you're lucky, you don't have to think about your health. You know, did I have an ENT on speed dial because I lost my voice often? Yes. Did I take like too many steroid packs? Probably. Because when you have like six sold out shows and you've lost your voice, like nobody cares. Definitely would get sick a lot just because this was all pre-COVID. So you're touching those mics, you're shaking those hands, you're hugging those fans. I mean, I would do meet and greets with over 100 people and you're hugging every single one of them. Do you do meet and greets before or after your show? After. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's after. Yeah. You cannot come meet me before. Yeah, the energy, it it stills all your energy. Yeah, and I believe in the showmanship of it. I do. You're here to see a show. You got a sitter. You got dressed up. Like, I'm here to perform, give you a professional performance. Mm. I don't drink on stage. I, I deliver like the full performance. I believe in that. Now, as I get older, I mean, ever, especially since having a baby, of course, there's the workout. So I found Pilates, which anyone who looks at my Instagram knows I enjoy. 
I do think, especially being a woman, like it is about consciously carving out that 20 minutes, that 30 minutes. I don't enjoy eating garbage food, so I try to be mindful of that. But sometimes you want to eat like a steak and an apple cobbler <laughs> like at 11 <laughs> o'clock, so you just do it, you know. But in general, I'm, I guess I do enjoy sugar, but I'm not like a huge junk food fan. But I think it's also about sometimes giving yourself the night off remembering to, and this is like an ongoing lesson for me, like it's okay if the phone didn't ring today. Like it's not all over. It, you're going to be fine tomorrow. And actually taking that day as like the universe being like, hey, here's a break for you. Yeah. Is that something you've worried about before? Oh my gosh, yes. Mm. Like yesterday worried about it. <laughs> like very upset. Like cried listening to Michelle Branch in the car, but then went to the comic store and had an incredible set uh, revealed to the audience that I had cried listening to Michelle Branch. Nobody laughed. And then I got off the stage. Um, <laughs> it is this constant up and down. So my baby, like my mom was like, get her to do something. And my husband was like, she's not a performer. And I was like, thank God, stay small. <laughs> Don't be a performer. Because it is, it's this thing where you want to do the thing that you love to do. And it's just so hard. It's just so hard because you have to deal with other people's opinions and, all of the bullshit that is this industry. And it is a lot. I mean, you can see why people do drugs and have really poor mental health because it's so mercurial. And your success, well, people are like, you won't be defined by anyone. It's like, you will. They're called producers. <laughs> so it, and it's just, it takes a long time to really get to a place of like being centered. And I haven't always been good at it, but just being like, it's cool that like nothing's happening today. It'll, like nothing was going on yesterday and I was like this is such a down day and I was feeling really bad about a bunch of stuff and I took a nap when I woke up Variety had released a story about uh the fact that I was in Righteous Gemstones and they used my picture along with Stephen Dorff and Sturgill Simpson and it's one of those things where you're like oh they didn't have to use my picture right. they could have used anyone else's picture right. and so I'm just constantly re-reminding myself like for every up there's a down the bad news is for every up there's going to be a down around the mm -hmm. corner but for every down like something else, there's going to be another treat on the way. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash Rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Rach. Thrivemarket.com slash Rach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. 
where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you feel like there are things that you want to do in your career that is it's not currently happening? Is yes. that where that oh, okay. Oh my God, yes. I mean, it is so hard to get a TV show made. I mean, especially now because there's a writer strike, which I oh, fully right. support and have right. picketed for. But it's hard. It's hard to get people to, you know, you gotta get so many people on board with your brand and your vision. And then you have to not let all of your failures mount up as proof that you're worthless which is like always a voice in your head that's like, well, the network has said no like all these years in a row. Like, you know, but you forget that these networks are made up of people that are constantly shifting. Absolutely. And, so, and that they don't know what they're talking about. No because when I think of some of the biggest career successes I've had, they were things that every expert in the field said was, a, everybody passed on, everyone right. said was a dumb idea. Always. And then I just figured out a way to do it anyway. And lo and behold, it worked. And it 100%. was super successful. And then everyone's like, oh, we knew it. You Always. were a genius. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where were you? Well, therein lies the stereotype about Hollywood and people being fake. And you won't understand this unless you actually work in show business. It isn't that people are fake. Like, love, you mean it. It's that nobody knows what's going on. So nobody wants to say to you, like, Rachel, you're a loser and your writing is bad because if you get a New York Times bestseller, yep. Yep. they want to have been on record as saying, like, no, we loved her. Yep. And so nobody says anything because no one's going to ever – no one – it's usually never personal – so no one's going to go out of their way to be like, you're awful because they want to be on your team if and when just it does in case. happen. Just in and case. usually they do like you and it's just their boss had a bad lunch and so they pick someone else. Like, you don't know. And that's what's so great about stand-up and I guess about being a writer too is like you can still do your thing. Each page you write, you're not checking with someone. You're writing your thing. You put it out there. And so stand-up is such a gift because I don't need a casting director. I don't need a producer. You just do it and the audience dictates. But there are plenty of things that I have tried, failed at, continue to try. And I think it's comforting to be like, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just lay down and die. I guess I'll just stop. And it's like, do it. Fucking stop. Because there are plenty of people who would like to take your place and nobody, everybody's going to tell you to stop. Everyone will be like, yeah, take some time. Yeah. But you have to have that little voice that's like, no. No, keep going. You gotta keep doing it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, what are you really gonna do? Are you really gonna stop? <laughs> Seriously? And like not pay your mortgage? I don't think so. <laughs> How uh, was that transition for you becoming a mom? Dope. Dope. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm a big fan of like every age as a woman that you experience has something. The older you get, like the less awesome it is, like the less pumped I am. I'm like, oh, cool. That didn't hurt before. But <laughs> I was. I was very deliberate about wanting to become a mom, which is why women's choices are so important. I enjoyed every – I had a great pregnancy. She was cool. Like I worked out. I drank coffee. I didn't have any alcohol until like the seventh month I was on a flight to – I did like a tour of Europe. I did. I toured in Europe, not a tour of Europe. <laughs> I'm like it's on the 1940s. Yeah. Yeah. 
some of these countries won't be here tomorrow. Um, I was on a flight to Ireland and the, I mean, I think European views about like alcohol consumption when pregnant are very lax. Absolutely. And so she was like, and she was like, I'm very pregnant. She's like, would you like some wine? And I was like, okay, I'll just have a little bit. Yeah. So I had it. Yeah. And then she comes back. She's like, would you like another? And I was like, I don't know. Two glasses of wine. She goes, the baby wants you to be happy. And I was like, the baby does want me to be happy. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. And it was great. I, I, uh, had my baby. I took like the six weeks off, went back on tour. Fans were incredible and supportive. And I've just, I didn't listen to anyone's advice. I didn't read any books despite them being gifted to me. Because I think we spend a lot of, I think women, particularly upper middle class women that have children are, there's a whole industry devoted to like making you think that you maybe don't know what you're doing. right? And you don't, but on a biological level you do. And I just don't subscribe to the fear mongering. Right. And I didn't want to deal with like the competitive momming. So you find the couple women that you trust and then you figure it out. Yeah. And you make your mistakes and you hopefully keep your kid alive. <laughs> like I didn't know your baby shouldn't be in a sleep sack at like 14 months. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Someone said you shouldn't. So Oh, we... I think I kept my kids in a sleep sack as long as Oh really? Visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until they grew out of it. Okay, them. here's another one. Like I didn't know that you had to like raise the crib bar once your kid is able to stand. Like a fan on Instagram oh. was like, you need to raise oh, like lower the crib. Can, and, yes, and I was like, yeah. oh. See, you figured it out. Figured it She's out. fine. But you would have found that out too if she fell. You know, it would have been fine. You and I think also just embracing it. Like one comic called me like a mama bear of comedy. And I was like, yeah, it's okay not to be like a hot 25 year old doing comedy. Like right. fostering talent. Like I'm just enjoying whatever this evolution is for whether it's cool or not. Well, I also feel like as someone consuming the comedy, we want to see you evolve. Yes. Right? Like if you, you were right. still trying to do the same jokes you were doing at 22 or whatever, it'd yeah. be like, oh, what are you doing? And there are comics that like yeah. don't evolve and you don't need to have children to evolve. You yeah. don't need, it's not about that, but male or female, there are people where you're just like, do we want to hear this? Right. We're from still you. doing the same stuff that you once were. Yeah. I really, this was not. It's not so much that it wasn't the goal as much as I didn't have the foresight about this. But when I started, you know, I talked about the things you should be talking about in your 20s. Dating, boys and girls, men and women, drinking, you know, stuff like that. And then I talked about getting married. And then I talked about being an elder millennial. So I just clock life as I see it. And, you know, one day it'll be about menopause. You know, but this is a career fully lived. Yeah. And I think leaning into those things. But if your experience is at 50 that you are still you know, out there dating 25-year-olds, right. then there are people who life. relate to that. Yeah. As long as it's wholly authentic to you. Is there anyone coming up in comedy right now that you're looking at going like, oh, so rad, like such a cool perspective? I mean, all of my friends. Yeah. I just produced 18 comedy specials. Oh, wow. I did 18 10-minute, so they're bite-sized comedy specials for 18 local LA oh, comics. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you saw it. <laughs> You're the only one. Uh, it's called Eliza's Locals, and it's on it's on YouTube. I did it with 800 Pound Gorilla, and they produce a lot of Santa specials. I just, going back to our thing about, you know, success and this industry, I was like somewhere between a Netflix hour and producing your own five-minute clip on Instagram. There has to be something so I did that. I just found these 18 comics who have unique perspectives, some of whom are my friends, some of whom are comics that I've just seen working for a very long time. 
so we have like the guy who opens for me, his name is Hunter Hill. And he is uh, in his 30s. He's Our kids are two weeks apart. And he's a very uh, evolved, gentle man while still being a guy. I think that's a special perspective. I've got a lot of friends that do stand up. And so it's my friend Jody Miller is uh, a mom who adopted, you know, and she's a little bit older than me. And she has her own take that I think is desperately needed in stand up. You know, I think somehow along the line, we decided along the way, it was like, oh, just any guy in his 30s with a beard that smokes pot represents all of us. And what we're seeing now with all these different voices, like most people have a sense of humor and there's someone out there that will fully get what you're going through. Yeah. Um, Who did I see the other day? There's a uh, on, Leanne Morgan. Yes. Yes. And I so my family's Southern. So I got so much of the humor in that. But I've never seen someone her age in right. a dress and heels and like cute little jewelry. It looked like my mom right. doing stand up and her audience looked like my mom. And I thought this is so incredible because it wouldn't have existed 30 years ago. I mean, there are women over 40 in the South that are like very sassy that yes. have a very funny take. And like she's representative of I'm sure tons of different kinds of people but like that's a voice that's a very valid voice yeah. and so we're seeing that across all sorts of spectrums color gender queer whatever it's not just like there's you can make yourself accessible there's no king makers anymore like just because you don't have a Netflix special doesn't mean you can't have a YouTube special doesn't mean you can't blow up on TikTok uh the market dictates and that is what's so great about stand-up is the bad and good thing about it is like it you live and die by your jokes. And how, so how how would that be bad? It's bad if your jokes are bad. Okay. <laughs> it's bad if you're not getting ahead. It's like maybe that is at the end of the day, you know, I, I get comics that complain and they get frustrated, which is fair. Like it is really frustrating. But I always say there is literally no one who has great jokes and puts in the work that doesn't get ahead. It doesn't happen. I know plenty of comics who like have a total failure to launch. Like they are very funny, but they kind of dick around. They don't really do the work. Sometimes you can be talented and people will champion you, but those two things combined, you will get somewhere. Mm. No excuses. Yeah. A and we are past this, the point of like, it's because I'm a girl. It's because I'm this or that. Yes. In some rooms that might, that might work against you. So go to another room. Mm. It's been really cool from an outsider perspective to see the market shift in comedy that y'all having access directly to your audience. Yeah. Like you said, there are no kingmakers that you don't have to have an HBO special. You don't right. have to have a thing in order to make money because I think that uh, there are comedians I've never heard of and then I'll see them like in an arena show and I'm like who are you and how That's did how you I feel I'm like who are you <laughs> and how did you build to this place sort of just directly with your audience which is so rad yeah I think all art you know there are people it's always blows my mind there are sports and art forms I've never heard of and these people have a full life you know there are authors you've never heard of who have like a billion New York Times bestseller like it's it shows how huge the world is, but also how small it is. Right. And for comedy in particular, you know, because of social media, people are able to have a character they do. And the whole account is that character. And it's super relatable. Can they do an hour of stand-up? No, but they also may never have to. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's great that I have this skill set, but I don't know if the future of comedy is always going to be people going to a theater. I'd like to think as long as I'm alive that it will be that so I can make a living. But... 
it, there's no wrong way to make or consume comedy if people are laughing and they're consuming it. And that goes for un-PC things. That goes for divisive content. Like, the market dictates. Yeah. Fortunately and unfortunately. So you're gearing up for this new tour. How yes. long is it? Like, uh, it starts in July. Is the rest of my life. Okay. Uh, I guess it starts in July in Hawaii, but then it stop. That's so fun. Yeah, yeah. Or is it not? Because no, have it to is just fun. In and out. No, it is. Fun. I okay. mean, it's. I am taking the family. Nice. We are a very pale family, so we yeah, will not enjoy all Hawaii has to offer. Which island? I'll be on Oahu, which is where Honolulu is, and then also in Maui. Nice. Uh, the 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 meat of the tour starts in September. It runs all the way through uh, the fall, including Ball Arena in Denver. And the TD Garden in Boston. Nice. Two cities that have been incredible to me throughout my comedy career. And I started at the clubs in those cities. Cool. So, yes, it would have been great if, like, I started and, like, I could just go play huge theaters. But I have no choice but to be proud of, like, I started at that Comedy Works at Larimer Square. And then we went to the one in the suburbs. And then you – I did a special there. And then for Boston – you know, I've been playing that for years. So it's nice to mark your career in terms of venues. Absolutely. That's huge. It's fun. And then I, we just got the routing for 2024. So okay. that will be revealed whenever we post it. At a future date. Yeah. Well, I think I always worry for people, like for younger people in the industry who have success on that first go round. Because I think if you don't have the memory of walking into a tiny comedy club and there being three people in the audience yeah. or there being a heckler. If you don't have that memory, I feel like you're going to take it for granted. You're not going to work as hard. You're not – because, I don't know, that's what I always go back to is like I remember going to book signings yeah, and having say, one person show up at my table. That, I was going to say, like, how does that interpret – like for you as, a, as an author? Yeah. Like your like, version is that. Oh, shit, there's 100 people in line. I right. remember sitting at the Barnes & Noble and nobody came and – the only thing worse than nobody coming is one person coming because then, then you have to that say, no one else is yes, there. Yes, yes. That's when you say like, oh, everyone already came. Right, you're the last yeah, one. you're the last one. Thank you, though. Uh, I waited for you. You know, I, I, I'm hearing you because we're the same age and it's like a similar trajectory, right? Like you start small and then you yeah. build it. Yeah. I have two books and I have nowhere near New York Times Well, credit. for what it's worth, that one that actually was the biggest was book number six. So there were five before that that nobody gave a shit about. I think stories like that are less and less uh, the narrative because of the internet. Like, of course, it takes a while to build a brand. Yeah. yeah. But, like, the term blow up. Like, it used to be, like, you blew up after years of doing this. And now it's right. like, yeah, I just was making an omelet. Whenever I talk about the build of a career, I acknowledge that I sound like a bitter old person. It's It's very, like, uphill both ways to school. Yeah. Nobody young, like, cares about your struggle. Yeah. Nobody. Ab and everyone's like, that won't be me. The only benefit is the character it has built. Everybody, I mean, I always joke, like, I much would have rather had everything handed to me. Mm. Like, we paint struggle as, like, character building, and it's good. It's like, it would be so great to just have a billion dollars and, like, be a piece of shit. Like, I... Wouldn't you rather have just been like hot and it's like here's – and now you get a book deal and you'd be like, great, life is easy. Like that is what you want, but we have to talk about how great the struggle no, was. No, man. I look at so many I, – I have people in my life who have experienced success very young yeah. and like crazy success and – they don't have yeah. resilience. Like mm. if they get knocked down, they stay down Good. because they think that the old <laughs> – Good. Out of the way. I've worked for yeah, this. I, I want this. Yeah. Um, 
I don't disagree with that. Uh, and if you're a young person who's had success, you're just like, wow, these ladies sound so old. Like, who cares? There is something to be, the only benefit of getting older is that you have wisdom. It really is because your bones hurt and your face is droopy. So having that, I'm proud of the work that I've done because I'm unshakable, particularly on stage. Like you filling up a theater your first go around, you don't know what it's like and you may never need to know what it's like to have a fight break out in your front row or to be so angry at the guy on his phone two rows in that you dump a basket of fries on his head. Did you do that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Hot temper. Um, Basket of fries, a drink. I flipped a table one time because someone – like, it's not apropos of nothing. You don't know what it's like to walk into a room that you thought you filled and it turns out all the tickets were given away for free. You don't know what it's like to have to speak in a different register because you lost your voice you don't know what it's like to have the flu and still have to go on stage when you were just in a ball a yeah. second ago. And it's not about anything other than all of these experiences build to just make this next show that much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be better to have had everything just given to you. I, I do know what you're talking about. I can think of a couple performers where like they get a lot of heat on them. They're given a lot. But without, particularly in stand-up, which is the only thing that I consider myself an expert on, without your point of view, which is what you live and die by if you're going to have longevity in comedy, in, in stand-up. Point of view meaning the way you story Yeah, tell. the lens with which you look at things. Like we know like a Chris Rock joke, that's a Chris Rock joke. Yeah. Like there is a perspective there. Right. Or an Eliza Schlesinger joke. Like there's a, a position you're coming from. Yeah. Um, and a credit you've built up with the audience. And if you don't have that, and if you're like, I'll just do whatever, then you actually are just a clown. And people tune in to hear your take. People tune in to hear Dave Chappelle's take on what's going on. They tune in to hear my take on our generation, on feminism. They want to hear your perspective. Any late night host, you know, any good one. And so when you get things too fast and you have too many people looking at you and you don't have anything to pull from, that's why people burn bright and then burn out because you didn't build up anything. Right. Which is not to say if someone says, hey, go play Madison Square Garden, you're not going to do it. When I became a headlining comic, I won a TV show and so I became a headlining comic. It, th- that sounds weird. Part of winning was that they put you on tour. Like you go on tour and you do these clubs. And I only had like 45 minutes and you really need an hour. Not every company, but you need an hour. And I made the decision. I was like, I'm not going to sink. Like I'm going to – I'm going to do these 45 and I'm going to keep at it because I didn't want to be another person that was given this chance and then you sank to the bottom. Yeah. So I just made that choice. Yeah. And I worked. Yeah. And you're still making that choice. I'm still making that choice. (laughs) When you have the days that you cry and then the days that you're in variety. (sighs) Yeah. I wish I had more (laughs) variety days, but they're on their way. There you Um, go. But yeah, it's – and it is a labor of love because at the end of the day, like – I, I think stand-up comedy is the best job, as hard as it can be. It, I don't know that I feel that way, like, when you're, like, on a tarmac for, like, the third hour. <laughs> and you're just like, I'm just trying to get home from Pittsburgh. But everybody wants to be a stand-up comic, I think. Everybody wants to tell jokes and make people laugh. And if you don't, then don't at me. I don't care. <laughs> but it's the best job. Yeah. You only have to function for one hour a day, and everybody loves you. But then there's the other side where you leave a theater where 3,000 people were screaming your name and then you go, like, get in line at Subway. 
Yes. <laughs> to like get a sandwich. They're like, who are you? The come down is so nuts. Like after it, it's. Do you, have you experienced that as like an yeah, author? Yeah. So I've done I'm a big speaker. Mm-hmm. So I've done, you know, conferences with 18,000 people, like massive audiences. But those are really specific niche crowds. Yeah who aren't the regular public. So you go from like, I am a golden god to I'm alone in a hotel room. Oh. I'm super lonely. I have so much energy right now. So much energy. And I don't know what to do with it. I guess I'll order room service and watch. Oh, see, that's so relatable. Mine is more humbling. Like, I just had someone cry while they were meeting me and someone got my name tattooed on their calf and now I'm at an audition where you're asking me how to pronounce my name. Oh, okay, that's real. That's 100% real and I have to check my ego on this all the time. Oh, don't check it. Women should never have to check their egos. No, well, because I feel like I don't ever want that piece to be ruling my life but it shows, I'm like, do you know how many books I've sold? Like, do you, I've this changed is- lives. <laughs> so many women have washed their faces. Honestly. Because of me. Um, I I wrote a screenplay. Mm-hmm. And someday it'll get turned into a movie by God. But even just getting initial meetings for that. Right. That I, I understand there's so many people. They've done it longer. All the things, right? But I know it's not shit. And do you know how many books I've sold? Right. And do you know how many people listen to my podcast? Right. Is the voice that's like going on inside of me that wants to be like, bitch, uh, what? You're you welcome that, that I'm here. Yeah. You are welcome that I am here right now. Yeah. But this is not serving me in any way. And this is not the human that I want to be. It keeps you going, though. This is true. Because it is that, that, like when you that are that feeling. Chip. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. chip. Yeah. The chip. Sometimes I've found flipping off billboards of people I don't like just quietly in my car really does make me feel better. Especially if I know that person is trash. And I'm uh, yeah, just saying. Yeah, I guess that- you'd have a bat. You'd have like info on or do you mean comedians that you're like oh, just, just it, like it could be like oh i read for that and i didn't get my friend. oh yeah you don't take it out on anyone and yeah ultimately it is what it is and this is if anything i'm just being super honest you know i think there's this women are supposed to always be like i'm growing and i'm so humble and i'm grateful i'm like yeah fuck you for not giving me that i would have been great but that's just what this is but that right. the way that you're feeling sometimes you want to it's not about it's about like a modicum of respect. Yeah. And it is about like, at least if you're going to take a meeting, like just at least re- read my just one know. sheet. Read the yeah. bio. Just know what's going on. The other piece of this is like wanting to challenge myself to do something yeah. new. Like I could keep doing this. I could keep writing Girl, Wash Your Face forever and make a ton of money. Right. And but I keep trying new genres and new and so every time I try a new thing I feel like I'm starting again at the bottom I'm that scrappy girl at Barnes and Noble that nobody came up to the table and I'm like I will show you I will show you I mean I think that's how an artist grows I think that that's an important gene to have you're like it's a sci-fi screenplay (laughs) exactly squirrels exactly but I think to be an artist that does grow it is about you have your brand you have your voice but evolving that's why I audition for dramas it's why Ooh. I wanted to write a book. Yeah. A lot of comedians write books, but that's why I wanted to do a second book. It's, it's, I think it's always about scaring yourself a little bit. Yes. And yes. just, and it's tough because you're not going to get the same love because you're not the exact person that they remember you as. Right. Uh, and that's the tough part to answer for. It's like, don't you want a TV show? I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying. And it's just, uh, you never stop trying. And you, I saw this like really sad thing. I think it was like, Martin Scorsese was like keenly aware of the fact that he's like running oh, so Martin Scorsese like running out of time to tell like there's so many stories you want to tell yeah and like in my mind 
I have to check myself. I'm like, yeah, I could always like play this part. And I'm like, well, you're not 25 anymore. So you really can't be like an extra on like gossip girl. <laughs> like you can't. <laughs> there's so many, as women, we just see ourselves as one thing. And there's the way the industry sees you, the way the world sees you, the way everyone perceives you. But I guess in your heart, you can still always be like a 25-year-old soccer player, <laughs> like in your head. <laughs> Whether or not that comes out, we'll see. Right, Yeah. right. So going on tour this summer, if people want to find out about where to get tickets, where to follow you, where to do all the things, sure. you have podcasts, you have like, we haven't Podcast. promoted that part. Where do we find all your info? It's all at a new, recently revamped website, Eliza.com. I bought it. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, nobody had it. And I took it. So Eliza.com, there's the tour, there's Ask Eliza Anything, my podcast, real fan favorite. And the tour is all over the US and then we have a whole month in Europe. So cool. if you live in Oslo, Norway, please come on out. It is an 8,000 person theater and I'd really like to fill it with all of your like superior cheekbones. Have you done 8,000 seats in Norway before? No. Okay. I've feeling? done Norway. How, have you, how are you feeling about that? I'm jacked. Okay, Because good, it'll good. be, uh, the crowd's going to be, the European crowds are great. Cool. I mean, I have so much fun going there. Um, so yeah, they can, people, I keep looking at the cameras if this is live, but <laughs> people can come on out. And uh, if, if I'm not on tour, I'm always at the comedy store or the improv. Cool. So you check their websites. I seldom post about it, but yeah. Awesome. And if people would buy my book, uh, all things aside. That yeah. would be great too. Yeah, this is a this is a huge podcast for readers. So. I feel really bad that I didn't bring you a copy. No, I will get one. I will. I, will I want you, you to get the two dollars, like the you know. Oh, you think I get two dollars? <laughs> wow. I don't know what kind of deals you're signing, but I'm not getting two dollars. But yeah, it's all there on the site or on the Instagram. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and hanging this out. This was wonderful. I really hate most interviews, and you were oh, a, an man. excellent host. So thank Thanks. you so much. Anytime. Yeah, come yeah, back. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. Okay. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.